Hi, Celine. This is Lisa O'Donnell, and I wanted to say thank you to you and Kelsey Humphreys for your phenomenal podcast, number 484. And congratulations to Kelsey for her journey and how well she's doing. I know, not from myself personally, however, my husband, who has been sober for six years, drank for more than half of his life. And the fact that he has made it through and he's doing so well, I'm so proud of him just because it takes courage and just so much effort. And a lot of times people do not understand the amount of time it takes, the amount of patience that you need to have for your loved ones. And the more awareness we bring to this disease, the more we'll be able to help those who are suffering. It's similar to therapy. Many people want to just push it under the rug and not address it, but that's not the right approach. Also, I wanted to talk about the first year of after someone has become sober. It can be harder than all of the years that the person drank, both for the individual who is recovering and for the people who are there to support him or her. We need to understand that they are learning to live their life over again. They're learning how to drive a car. They're learning how to follow directions again. They're learning how to interact with people socially. So thank you again. I am a lifer. I love you and I totally mean it. And keep doing such phenomenal podcasts. I just can't say thank you enough. Take care. Hey there. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of The Shaleen Show. This is going to be worth your time for sure. I'm glad that you've decided to listen because it is about the one thing you have total control over. And the one thing that because you have total control over it, you can change every part of your life because of this, it's mindset. I truly believe that it is mindset that separates people from an average life and a life of greatness, a life of happiness. Like mindset is everything. And today what I'm going to do is share with you my very best tips, like the best of the best, the cream of the crop when it comes to mindset. This is a compilation of the best mindset tips from 2019. Enjoy. Welcome to The Shalene Show. Shalene is a New York Times bestselling author, celebrity fitness trainer, and obsessed with helping you live your dream life. So today I want to talk to you about mindset, the kind of mindset that you need to change major things in your life. Let's face it. There's so many things that you you know you need to do. It's not a matter of not having the right information. It's a mindset thing. It's a belief thing. You know what you need to do. You know, for the most part, what you need to eat and how you need to exercise and what habits are best for you. You know what you need to do in your marriage. You kind of know what you need to do in your business. You know what you need to do. Most of us do. It's a shift in our mindset. Because mindset is like a muscle, it's like a skill, which means you can improve it. It's not something you're born with. In fact, we're all born with a pretty positive mindset, but then we have these influences on us as children, sometimes as adults, that shape and misshape our mindset and our beliefs. And we create these false beliefs and we set ourselves up for failure because of these beliefs. But these beliefs can be changed. Change is very normal and it's okay to mourn the past. Like let's say you've 
quit your job and now you're at home and you're trying to get really productive in your new business venture. It's okay to like kind of mourn or even miss your old lifestyle and at the same time be excited about new possibilities. I mean, the same is true. Like, let's say your divorce is just finalized. It's okay to mourn what never is going to be or to mourn what you had hoped your marriage might be and at the same time be excited about new possibilities. It's okay if your kids have gone off to college now to mourn a little bit. I mean, give yourself permission to feel like we don't want to just stick our heads in the sand and tell ourselves not to feel because those feelings will come out somewhere, often in the form of weight gain or stress or illness or anger, or taking it out on someone else, right? Like, you got to deal with it. So give yourself permission to go like, yeah, I'm kind of sad. I just, I miss it. It doesn't mean that I'm not happy about what's coming next. That doesn't mean that you're sad that your kids have gone off to school. It means you've done your job and you're just, you know, you're reminiscing about the past and that's okay as long as you move on from there. Okay, so the first step is really to understand like that there a change has happened. And the next thing is to understand or dig in and figure out, okay, why do you feel weird? What is off? Rather than just saying to yourself, oh man, I just, I feel weird or I'm not exercising and I don't know why. My house has become disorganized and I'm not sure why this has happened. Why? Identify those things. And P.S., You know you're about to hear this from me, don't you? You know what I'm about to say. Can you do this in your head, yes or no? No, no, absolutely not. Hear my paper? I always have a pad of paper and a pen with me. Usually it's my push journal just so I don't lose things. I like to have these brainstorms and keep them all in one organized place. It's probably a good spot for me to tell you that push journals are the ultimate tool, y'all. All right. But anyways, so you want to write all those things down like, okay, so where is it? I'm a little bit disappointed with myself. It's okay to admit that or to feel like I know I could be a little bit better. I know I could be where I was or I could establish more routine and more discipline. Think about those things. You're on a different journey now. There is a new normal and you need to create new routines, new habits and new structure on this new track, a new normal. You know what makes us feel centered? Routine. And routine is best established with a plan. As I say, the more routines we set up and the more organized we are with our time, the more freedom we have. I'm going to schedule blocks of time to get the things done that I want to get done. I'm going to begin my day by creating a brainstorm of everything that was keeping me up last night, everything that I need to get done versus the things that I would like to get done. And I'm also going to do just two or three things that move me closer to my push goal. And I'm going to put these on paper and I'm going to organize them according to a time schedule. Might sound restrictive, having a schedule. But I am here to tell you, give it a try. Mark my words, you're going to feel so much more freedom and in control of your schedule when you have a schedule. Whenever I put my beats on and I'm doing HIIT training, now this isn't true when I'm strength training for some reason, but when I'm doing HIIT training, I imagine that I'm Conor McGregor and I'm constantly asking myself, can I go harder? Do I have the mental toughness? 
to go harder because until my body shuts off, like I can push harder and I can get more out of 40 seconds or a minute than I could if I just went through the motions. So I'm tapping into an alter ego and you can do this too. You see, we all have traits, characteristics, even certain limitations or beliefs that we have, which we wish we didn't. I don't love the fact that as much as I love people, sometimes I feel socially awkward. Sometimes I want to observe. I love observing, like just sitting back and watching people. But because I'm also, like, I'm not shy. I'm an outgoing person. And if you're an outgoing person and you're not being outgoing in a particular setting, people think there's something wrong or they think that you don't like them or it makes people feel uncomfortable. So I find that I have to sometimes imagine that I'm someone else to push through that when my natural tendency is like, oh, I just want to watch people. I don't want to talk. I don't want to have to carry the conversation. I don't want to have to be overly friendly. I just want to observe And in my mind, I think to myself, okay, but that's going to make this person or these people feel really uncomfortable. So you need to step into that. And that doesn't feel natural for me. So a lot of times I will think of someone else who I really admire their ability to do that. And I pretend for a moment that I am that person as if it were my alter ego. And for many people who tap into an alter ego, they have a physical trigger. Now think about Superman. Superman was kind of the opposite. Like, so was Superman Superman or was Superman Clark Kent? Like, which one was he really? Well, I would argue that he was both people, right? Sometimes he would put on the glasses and play up the part of Clark Kent so that he could do what he needed to do. He needed to assimilate. He needed to blend in. In order to help people later, he needed to blend in to see where there was trouble, right? But when he needed to be a leader, then he needed to step into his role as Superman. The point I'm trying to make is it's not that you're faking it till you make it. Rather, I think you have this already inside you. You just have to turn it up or turn it down. So the first question was, why do you think that people are afraid to go after their dreams? And I think the reason why people are afraid to go after their dreams is probably obvious. It's either they don't think they're enough. They don't think that they are big enough, important enough, smart enough that they're going to fail. And nobody wants to look stupid. Nobody wants to, you know, be vulnerable in that way. And so I think it's interesting that people don't go for their dreams. I think it's even more interesting when people don't have dreams or what they say that their dream or their goal is. It's like, dude, you're already like, that's just going to happen. It's like saying my goal is to someday be 51 years old. Like that's going to happen. You know what I mean? Like so often when I ask people like, you know, what do you want to do? Like how much money do you want to make? Or what would you like to build? How would you like to feel or look at things that they're already on pace for? That's not a goal. I mean, that's not something that pushes you. That's not something that stretches you. When I'm talking about dreaming, I mean, giving yourself permission to dream. Think about something that feels elusive, that feels difficult, that feels far, far away. Like Brett and I, when we were making our vision, you know, kind of like our five-year plan, if you will. 
And we were doing this as part of a mastermind group. Do you remember this, honey? Yeah. Well, we do it a lot, but I remember which one you're talking about. Yeah. But anyways, we did this exercise together as a group and we all wrote down what we wanted our lives to look five years from that moment. And Brett and I, you know, we wrote our own and then we were kind of comparing notes. And one of our mutual dreams was to live on the ocean, like live on the ocean, or I should say on the ocean, near the ocean, on the ocean. Yeah, a beach, like a beach house. A beach house, right. I don't know that I was picturing living on the ocean, but I was picturing <laughs> living like, you know, I could see it, right? Like I could walk to the beach. Yeah. When we said that, when we put that in our five-year plan, like that felt very dreamy. It didn't feel like it was for sure going to happen. We weren't ready for it in the next year or two. That's for sure. Right. <laughs> and, you know, I said this today. I put that on paper, but I'm not going to lie and tell you I thought that was going to happen in five years. Here's how I create a dream. It's that would be super cool. I think it's within the realm of possibilities, but I don't know that it's likely. That's what I call a dream. A dream is something that's like, I don't know if it's like that likely to happen, but I can see that it's possible. That's a dream. And I think too many of us, too many of you, you say, okay, well, here's this dream, but you know it's very likely if you just put a little bit of effort into it. To come up with a dream that's really exciting is to put something on paper that you're like, that would be freaking unfreaking believable. And a little scary. And scary, yeah. yeah. Like to get to that point is going to there's going to be some risk involved and there's going to be some um, strategy and you really have to think about it. And I remember those three percenter meetings that we had to kind of correct a couple people because like you said earlier, they put down goals or crazy things that could happen in five years. And we're like, wait a second, you're already doing like, like you're already that, right? on pace like to do that in the next that. year. Yeah. Like it's, it's almost like when you write down, that's things a, that you want to do tomorrow and one of them's brush your teeth. Yeah. It's like a small, <laughs> yeah. it's not even a dream. It's, it's going to happen. It's a small goal. It's not even a dream. All right. My next tip for you is to remember that beneficial is better than non-existent. Here's what I mean by that. Sometimes when there is life change, we're like, oh my gosh, I've got this new baby. So I just, I can't fit my exercise in as consistently or we've moved and there's just so much to unpack that I just don't feel like exercising. So, you know, for whatever reason, there are changes that don't allow us to participate as fully to something that we did in the past. And oftentimes we think to ourselves, well, if I can't do it to the degree I was doing it before, whatever it is, like whether it's exercise or eating right or staying organized, we think to ourselves, why bother? If I can't do it all the way, then I won't do it at all. And that is the wrong attitude. You need to remember that just doing something is better than doing nothing. Non-existent doesn't help you. It might not be optimal, but it's still beneficial. So what if you can't get in your 30-minute workout? Can you do 15 minutes? I know it's bothering you that your closet doesn't look like it did a month ago. But that's no excuse for you to just throw everything on the floor. Like you can still pick some things up. Doing a little bit is better than doing nothing. And it will often help you get back into the routine and get you back on track. Someone who has fear of failure, typically and not always, 
in most situations, you have either really critical parents or critical people around you. And so your fear of failure is that you just wanted to be accepted and loved. And when you messed up, you didn't feel those things as a child, usually. Sometimes fear of failure, though, is because you have so much success around you that you're afraid to fail because then you, again, you won't belong. So I think fear of failure is our desire to belong, our desire to have significance. And we think if we fail that we'll be... Lesser. Yeah. Or like rejected. Yeah. Or we won't be loved. We won't be accepted. I think that's where fear of failure comes in. Fear of success is different. Fear of success, in my estimation, is someone who, when they think about being successful, that means it comes with more responsibility, expectations, demands, change, and people are afraid of change, that if they are... Also, I think fear of success sometimes is that people think, well, if I'm successful, I'll have a lot of eyes on me, and then people will know that I'm a fraud. Yeah. So it can be some imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome, for sure. And... Like, if I get too big, I'm going to have too many eyeballs on me, and somebody, if not many people, are going to figure out, like, it's not real. Yeah. So, if you think about both of those things, right, or, you know, fear of success and fear of failure, in either case, you just want to be accepted, and you want to be loved and appreciated you want to be enough so the way you get around both of those is knowing that how other people feel about you has nothing to do with your worth it has nothing to do with your value you are enough you're worthy and you are significant because you're you you're a child of god so get over that and i also think the only way that you can fail is by doing nothing that's how you fail And the only person you'll fail, the only thing you're failing is you're failing yourself. Lastly, I want you to take a minute, like right now while we're hanging out together, and think about that thing that you're kind of disappointed in yourself because you're like, yeah, you know what? I can get myself back on track. I know what I need to do. I know what I'm missing. I know what I want. I know what I'm capable of. What is that thing for you right now? Just pick one. Okay, now, what would need to happen for you to reestablish that habit, to feel back on track? What needs to happen? Is it a better routine? Do you need to get more organized? Do you need to establish new habits? Is there someone who you need to tell them, I need your help keeping me accountable, or maybe you need to make a promise to them? Or is it a matter of you getting more disciplined? Is it a matter of you changing something about your environment so that you don't have to be so disciplined? And if it's not a matter of your environment or being disciplined, is it a matter of having better tools, a better system, hiring a personal trainer or a business coach, investing in professional help like a housekeeper or a therapist, a marriage counselor, a business coach? If it's important to you, You're going to prioritize it and you're going to sit down with a pen and a piece of paper and create a list of the things that need to happen. What do you need to do? This is your responsibility. You have the ability to get yourself back on track 
or to create a new track. And it's 100% up to you. It is within your control. The only thing I want you to compare yourself to is your potential, what you know you're capable of, and ultimately designing your life in a way that supports that and allows you to feel peace. That is it for today. I love you. I mean it. Hi, this is Brooke Powers, Vice President at Smart Life, and I wanted to tell you about one of my favorite products that we have. It's our push journal. And we created the push journal because we know that you want to be making progress towards your goals. And in order to do that, you need a better system to hold yourself accountable. The problem is you've tried countless planners and journals and nothing seems to stick, let alone be effective, which I'm sure can make you feel defeated. We believe it shouldn't be a burden to keep track of your productivity and hit your goals. We understand that motivation, organization, and sticking to a routine can be a struggle. We've motivated and helped thousands of people to identify and set goals and stay focused on daily tasks that increase productivity that actually help you hit your goals. Does this sound like you? This is all you need to do. Go to pushjournal.com and order your push journal set. While you're waiting for your journals, download the instruction booklet at pushjournal.com to get an early start on setting your push goal and to get a little taste of how the system works. Stop wasting money on goal setting journals or programs that don't stick long term. Instead, find confidence in using a push journal for life. Trust me, you'll be addicted just like me.